three, two, one, and welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Raw Prospect Podcast. My name is Emmy Nixon. Today is March 8th. Uh, hope you all are having a great day wherever you are, however you're listening. Um, and joining me, as always, from Austin, Texas, the stat king himself, Michael Wing. What's up, man? What is going on? Episode 60. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even mention this. It was episode 60. Yeah. Uh, if, another milestone. That, pretty crazy. But um, today we'll just be um, we'll be diving into this Dak Prescott signing. It just happened today. Um, obviously, my, as a Cowboys fan, I'll give my perspective, but Michael can give his outside perspective as well. Um, and then we'll be talking about the Players' Championship, which will be this week. Um, and we'll be predicting the conference tournaments of the Big Ten and the Big 12, um, the two best conferences in college basketball by far. So uh, this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, let's get right into it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you can you can start with this Dak Prescott stuff, man. Okay, yeah, so earlier today or earlier this afternoon, or evening, whatever you want to call it. The news came in, reported by uh, Adam Schefter, that the Dallas Cowboys finally reached an agreement with their franchise quarterback, Dak Prescott. Um, it is a four-year, $160 million deal with $126 million in guarantees and a $66 million signing bonus, which means when he signs the contract, he already pockets $66 million. That's the largest signing bonus for any player in NFL history. Oh, you good? You good? Uh, the in- internet might be bugging a little bit. Uh, are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm back. Okay, okay. Yeah, continue, continue. Uh, you were What's just that? saying, yeah, you were just saying um, that Dak was the first player ever to get that big of a signing bonus. So um, you can continue from there, or I can go ahead. No, I'll continue from there. Okay. I have a couple more things I want to say. Are you frozen or go now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, I. I okay, okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'll this, edit all I, that out. I should have apologized. Okay, I'll apologize in advance for the technical difficulties. I know we had some last episode. Um, the internet is hasn't been ideal lately, so I apologize in advance for any difficulties. Um, we'll try to make it through this without with the minimum uh, right. amount of problems. But as I was saying, Dak Prescott, largest signing bonus in NFL history at $66 million, just ahead of Russell Wilson at $65 million. Um, overall, I think this is a win-win for both sides. Um, Dak gets what he wants in terms of sort of a shorter deal 
a four-year deal. He pockets a lot of money right away. He wanted the guaranteed money. He wanted the shorter four-year contract. So that way he can enter free agency again in four years when he's 31 years old and potentially be up for an even bigger deal. So he could get two big contracts. So very well played here by the Prescott camp to bet on themselves to get the deal that they wanted. And remember, in Texas, there's no state income tax. So he's going to be very, very well set up uh, with all his endorsements and now this contract and maybe another contract in the future. Um, in terms of the on-field production, he deserves this. Uh, he's won a lot of games. Uh, I believe he's like top three since he came to the league and wins. I don't have the numbers um, right in front of me right now, but you could fact check that, and I believe that's the case. Um, he hasn't done a lot in the playoffs, but he's still relatively young when it comes to the NFL, um, and he has time. And this Cowboys team is talented. And once they improve this defense, um, because they have all the weapons as far as I'm concerned, offensively, uh, maybe you can speak a little more to that. Uh, maybe the offensive line uh, needs to be um, touched up a little bit because I know they've lost some pieces there that were staples. Uh, but once they get this defense together and they use some draft capital to you know, bring in some more um, defensive players, particularly in that secondary, um, this could be a Super Bowl contending team. Um, and I think Dak Prescott will eventually um, have that playoff success that Cowboys fans and just skeptics of him in general are looking for. So I think it's a win-win for both sides. Um, the Cowboys finally lock up. Jerry Jones finally locks up his franchise quarterback. There are going to be no more questions hanging over the team, the locker room, about what they're going to do with Dak. Um, Jerry Jones no longer has to answer any of those questions. Um, it's no longer hanging over the locker room, and they can just move forward and start to build around Dak for the next four or five years going forward. So I think it's a win-win, and we'll see what happens. But I like to hear your perspective as a actual Dallas Cowboys fan. Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of in the middle on this deal. I, you know, I like that we locked him in. You know, it, 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 this was kind of the cloud that was hanging over the team this past few years. Like, when are we going to sign him? When are we going to sign him? When are we going to sign him? You know, and it's, it's good that we finally got it done and we don't have to worry about it anymore. It's just... It's, it's solid. It's there. It's done. Um, but um, I can't stress enough, like over these next few years, we have to hit on our draft picks because we're not going to have the money to go out and get free agents and uh, really build a team through free agency. We have to hit on our draft picks. That's going to be so important these next few years, especially with the amount of money invested in, in our offense. Like it, it's going to have to be all defensive guys through the draft these next few years. So um, I, I really hope it works out. I mean, I, I think like, I'm going to think I'm a little bit lower on it than you are. You know, I'm, I, I, I think Dak deserves it, but um, I think at the end of the day, he's a quarterback that needs help 
to win a championship. And, and that's not a bad thing. That, that's not saying he's a bad quarterback. I'm, I, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. I'm just saying that um, in, for him to be at his best, he has to have some things around him uh, in order to be able to win. And that, that um, it's going to be harder to get those players now. So we'll, we'll see what happens. You there? Uh, looks like looks like Michael's frozen here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause this recording, and you may or may not hear a ad when I pause this. But uh, when we come back, we will continue our Dak Prescott discussion. All right, we are back, um, Michael. Uh, did you want to add anything about Dak Prescott here? Or are we good on that? Uh-oh, he might be frozen again. Uh, I, I apologize, like like Michael said earlier, I apologize about the technical difficulties. It's, it's uh, pretty hard to avoid when we live in on college campuses when everybody's using the Wi-Fi at once, so. Um, I guess I will pause once again and uh, return once we get this figured out. Uh, thank, thanks for being patient with us. All right, we are back. Um, uh, once again, I apologize about those uh, technical difficulties. But um, Michael, uh, if you want to add anything else on Dak Prescott, um, I think I'm good on I've said what I needed to say. So Yeah, I think it's important that you hit on the draft pick aspect of this. Um, they're going to need to hit on some of those draft picks here in the next um, year or two, I guess, um, in the near and immediate future, um, so they can fill um, the necessary team for these next four or five years when they have Prescott locked up on this deal. It's, uh, I think this offense is a obviously a win-now type offense, you just need that def you don't even need the defense to be like great or anything you just need it to be um good enough right um you know we we saw the bills this year they weren't a great defense they were just really good um situationally there's a lot of those type of defense um draft players um for situations i think i think i hope that the new defensive coordinator hire um, will help. Who knows how that will work, how that will work out? But that will be a, a conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, the draft picks are going to be key because they're not going to have a ton of cat space now. And I think the other point that you brought up that I thought was interesting is um, the fact that Dak Prescott does need help, and it's not a knock on Dak Prescott. He's a top eight, top ten quarterback in the league. Right. And very, there are very few quarterbacks in this league who don't need a lot of help. Right. <laughs> um, I can think of maybe like, maybe like one or two who like can overcome mediocre. Um, you know, Dak Prescott and, and that bigger group of quarterbacks who, who need help or need help to win. So it's not a knock. 
um, on him. It's just the reality in today's NFL. So um, for Cowboys fans, I think you should be happy. I think you should feel confident. Um, hopefully this was the one big injury that he has to suffer and the only injury he has to suffer through um, for the rest of his career. Hopefully he can stay healthy and uh, hopefully y'all can get back to the playoffs here very soon. Right. Um, and it seems like the Cowboys organization seems to uh, go through this same cycle where we have a few up years, we pay everyone, and then we have down years because we don't have the depth of the roster when we have injuries. And then we go up again, and then we pay everyone because <laughs> Jerry, he he's a player's owner. He's, I mean, um, say what you want about him, but he – um, he respects his players and he wants to get them paid. And, you know, that has consequences. Um, so I hope that, um, I hope that this move pays off, but um, I am skeptical. But um, if I were to give it a grade, I guess I'd give it a B plus. Cause now, now we don't have to worry about it anymore and we can just move on with everything. Like uh, giving him, getting a franchise tag or, or getting rid of him. I mean, I think we'd probably be worse off than, than what we are now. So um, I think there's value value in that alone. So um, that one makes this thing. a little bit higher for me. One more, one more thing real fast. Um, think about y'all's division, the NFC East. Um, right now, as it stands right now, y'all have by far the best quarterback in the division, right. um, which is a big advantage. I um, mean, think about Washington. Um, they can make a move. Who knows what the what they're gonna do here? But right now, their quarterback is Taylor Heineke, or in New York, uh, the Big Apple and Daniel Jones. And then you think about um, the Eagles um, and Jalen Hurts, who who we know um, has capable capabilities, but we're still unsure. Um, if he can be the actual franchise quarterback in Philadelphia. So right now, um, and this could change, but right now the Cowboys are very well set up at quarterback, at least within their, in their division, um, the NFC East. And this, this will help. Um, and I think with some improvements on the defensive side of the ball, they should definitely be the favorites going into next season in that division, but a lot can change. We'll get into that um, when it nears football season. Um, right. So we shouldn't right. spend too much more time. Um, right. Let's transition. Um, with that, we'll switch gears here to our golf um, discussion. Um, so this week is the players championship, which is uh, quote unquote, the fifth major, like not officially the fifth major, but it is the biggest tournament outside of the majors um, and, and from many accounts. Um, it's played at a famous course, TBC Sawgrass, um, with the obviously the three famous finishing holes, 16, 17, and 18. Uh, 17 with the Island Green par three, 18 with a uh, dog leg left par four, like with water all to the left. So it's a daunting, it's a daunting finishing uh, stretch at this course in particular. So um, the winner here tends to be a player who is just 
very strong mentally. And that tends to be a lot of the top players win at TBC Sawgrass. That tends to be the main trend. Like if you look at the past winners, um, Tiger Woods won in 2013. Um, uh, Rory won it a couple of years ago, I believe. I, I actually think that's the, I think he's the defending champion, I think, because it was, right. it was cut off yeah. last year. And then obviously Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, um, guys like that. So a lot of premier names have won this event. Um, in terms of what I would think as who I would think would be the front runner this week, I think um, I think you can't rule out Bryson DeChambeau. Um, you can't uh, underrate what he has done, um, what he did last week at Arnold Palmer, basically driving a par five. Like that's that's ridiculous. Like he. He flew his drive 348, I think, or something like that, uh, all over water, which is just insane. Uh, with that kind of power, it's hard to, it, it you're, you're just hard to beat when you have that kind of power. Um, but I, I didn't do much prep. I'm going to be honest. I, but um, I'd keep my eye on DeChambeau. That, that, that's, the one thing I can tell you for sure. Well, the first thing I'll say is there's so much talent, young talent on the PGA tour nowadays that you can't really rule out any of these guys. Right. They're yeah. so good. Um, I did a little prep, not extensive, but enough to get through a short segment and give you guys some information, at least from what I've read and what I know about golf. Um, yeah, so in case you don't know, and I'm sure Emmy mentioned it, but it's played at TPC Sawgrass, um, the stadium course. Um, it's a Pete Dye designed course that opened in 1982, so about, I don't know, 40 years ago, a little less. Um, it's a par 72, and it plays about 7,200 yards, which is pretty standard, I guess. Yeah, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Mm-hmm. for a PGA Tour tournament. Um, the Players' Championship, it it sports one of the best fields that you'll see in a golf tournament this season. Um, this is a really strong field. It includes um, 112 players that have won at least one tournament on the PGA Tour. Um, and it has uh, 10 players in the field have won um, the PGA uh, um, championship previously. You're talking about Roy McIlroy, Jason Day, those type guys. Um, 10 of those guys in the field have already won the players and are looking to win it again. Um, and also this week, you'll get to see 28 out of the top 30 uh, players uh, ranked in the official world golf rankings. Um, Brooks Kepka just yesterday um, had to withdraw due to a knee issue again. And I think uh, Matthew, Matthew Wolf or someone else um, isn't able to play this week, but you're going to see 28 out of the top 30 players in the world this week at the Players' Championship. So a very strong field, um, one of the strongest of any tournament on the tour. Um, in terms of the guys I'm looking out for, I mean, of course, you can't roll out the guys you mentioned. Uh, DeChambeau's been, DeChambeau has been amazing. 
whether you like him or not, um, he's been absolutely incredible. And what he does off the tee is just mind-blowing. Um, Roy McIlroy, who's been in a little bit of a tailspin lately, for Roy McIlroy standards, um, you know, he still had a couple top 20 finishes mixed in, top 15 right. finishes mixed in. But for Roy McIlroy standards, um, it hasn't been great. Um, and he's the defending champion because the Players' Championship is where it got cut off. They played the first round, and then that evening it was canceled um, due to the whole COVID situation. Um, so that's that. So the four guys I'm looking out for, um, John Rahm, the second-ranked player in the world behind Dustin Johnson. Um, he has five top ten finishes in his past seven starts, and he actually held – the 54-hole lead at that 2019 Players' Championship. So we know he's had past success. And if it wasn't for a stupid decision to go for the green on 11 um, out of a bunker and then splashing in the water on the famed 17th hole, um, who knows? He might have beaten out Roy McIlroy. So he'll just, have to, he'll just have to make better decisions coming down the stretch on Sunday um, this year. And I think he will. Um, he, he's more experienced now, either major or the players. Um, that's the next step for him. Um, the next guy I have on my list is, um, Colin Morikawa, Colin Morikawa, um, unbelievable ball striker. Some are saying he's the best iron player in the world right now. Um, I don't think I would argue with that, uh, but you know, better than me. Um, he ranks first on the tour in strokes gained approached. Um, he um, hasn't played his first start at the players last year. And in that player, in that term, in last year's first round. So he's had some past success or a little bit of a flash of success at this course in this tournament. And just a couple of weeks ago, um, he was a winner at the WGC Workday Championship. So he's coming in on a hot streak. Um, very, very good all around player. Just needs to putt well. Um, look out for Morikawa. He's gonna be up there, hopefully. Um, another guy I have at 25 to one odds um, is Victor Hovland. Um, he's hot right now. Right. Um, six, yeah. six top six finishes in his past seven starts. <laughs> he ranks six on tour in strokes gained tee to green, which is important. That's an important stat at this tournament. You got to be good off the tee. Um, it's a demanding course in terms of um, driving. You got to be good. So I think um, he can be there. And he was also a guy who shot 468 in last year's first round. So he's had a flash of success, excuse me, at this course. And then a guy I've been talking about a lot um, when we talk about golf is Patrick Cantlay. I think he's due for a breakout. Um, he's blossomed, blossomed into one of the best or most consistent um, players on the tour. Um, he, he's finished inside the top 20 in his last eight starts. So he's always up there near the top of the leaderboard. And I think he's due. He's another one of those guys who's due for a signature victory. Um, so 
those are my four. Um, of course, there's more, but those are the guys I'm kind of watching. Uh, but you can't go wrong with any of these guys. It's it's hard to pick golf tournaments, uh, but I think the more we do it, the better we'll get. So um, that's that's what I have. Um, but do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, um, I just want to say like golf is really hard to um, analyze. Like it's hard to be able to um, go deep into what to expect because so much can change from day to day and uh, right. let alone week to week, like um, course conditions can change like from day to day, just like from if it rains overnight or if it like the course dries out or it's super windy, you know, it like so much can change and there's so many factors involved to where it's so hard to predict, especially now with, as you said earlier, there's so much parody on tour like there's, it's so random, you know? So um, I think we'll get better as we continue with this, but um, yeah, uh, with that, I guess we can just move on to our college basketball stuff. Cause that's all I, have, I really have. Yeah, let's do it. This is a very exciting time of year. Um, it's for people who don't know and who should know, um, Sunday is well. Yesterday um, was the last day of the regular season, uh, so that's all. That's all done. Um, and uh, this week is Champ Week, um, where all excuse you, uh, <laughs> all the major, um, all the major conference tournaments will take place this week, um, and. For the sakes of time, no disrespect to the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big East, or the SEC, um, but we're going to only do our predictions for the two best conferences in college basketball. Like Emmy said in the intro, um, no arguments to be made, the Big Ten and the Big 12. Um, so we're going to start filling out brackets. Um, it's not the bracket, which we'll have this coming Sunday. Right which is Selection Sunday, but they are brackets. And so we'll start bracket filling out season by making our predictions for the Big Ten and the Big 12 tournaments. So let's do it. All right, which one do you want to start with? Um, let's start with the Big 12. 12, okay, perfect. Actually, scratch that. Let's start with Big 10. Okay. I have a bias of the Big 12. So <laughs> let, me, let me pull it up. Okay, here we go. All right. Um, okay, the Big 10. Um, the first uh, impression when I look at this bracket is like, holy crap, that looks complicated. <laughs> like, it's like, a, it's like shaped so weirdly because of all the buys and the different things that they have involved. All right. Um, so but we'll break it down. We'll break it down. Let me let's go step by step, day by day, because it's broken down into different days. Okay. All right. So okay. Wednesday. Um all right, well, here we go. So Wednesday, we have the first round. Minnesota and North Northwestern. 
um, the 13 versus the 12, and then Nebraska and Penn State. So here I have Northwestern advancing, um, and I have Penn State advancing. Um, Nebraska is by far the worst team in the Big Ten, and Minnesota is coming in losing 12 out of their last 13 games. So I have Northwestern beating Minnesota, and I have um, Penn State with an easy victory over Nebraska. Right, and I agree with you there. That those were probably the easiest picks of the whole okay. bracket. Yeah, <laughs> those are the easiest by far. Okay, let yeah. me walk you through my um, the next round. So at the top, we have uh, nine-seeded Michigan State, which, wow, has made a run here down the stretch to put themselves in the tournament field after struggling the first two to three months of the season. Um, they've beaten three top 10 teams in their past, I think, five games. So Tom Izzo has his team hot at the right time. Um, and they will take on number eight seed in Maryland. I'm taking Michigan State. Can't bet against Tom Izzo, especially when he has his team playing as well as it is. Um, I think they'll get this win against Maryland to solidify their spot in the eight, in the 68 team field um, on Sunday. Um, Ohio State will easily defeat Northwestern. That won't be a problem for Ohio State. It'll be kind of a get right game because Ohio State has um, kind of been in a tailspin here down the stretch, losing their last four games. I think this game versus Northwestern provides them with a get-right opportunity. I think they'll win this game going away. And advance to the next round to take on Purdue. Um, Indiana and Rutgers. Um, Rutgers is a dangerous team with that guard, with those guards. Uh, their guard plays fantastic. And Indiana is kind of, uh, they're going in the wrong direction. Um, so I'm gonna take, even though Indiana has um, Trace Jackson Davis there on the inside, and he's capable of taking over a game. I'm, I'm going with Rutgers. And then um, Wisconsin, I thought about this 11-6 um, upset with Penn State because Wisconsin, they just can't score. Um, but I went with Wisconsin because they're a veteran team. Penn State's sort of an experience. And Wisconsin, even though they struggle to score, they're very good um, defensively. So um, Michigan State, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Wisconsin advance to the next round for me. Okay. Um, for me, I, I agreed with you with the Michigan State uh, pick. Uh, they, they've been hot lately. They beat Ohio State. That was a really surprising one for me. That was probably – that was my first impression of them. That was a good first impression for them. Um, uh, they, they look really good right now. They're, they're red hot. Um, and then Ohio State and uh, Northwestern. Northwestern. Um, Ohio State, they've lost four in a row, I believe. But, like, it hasn't been as ugly as it seems. Like, I still think they're, like, they're a two seed. Um, I mean, they lost that Illinois game. Um, I forgot. I can't think of his name right now. But um, – Illinois has one of the best closers in the country. Um, do, I'm, I assume Yes, Desumu, right. Um, he, he's one of the best closers in the country, and he just 
once it got to like the last four minutes of that game, he just buried them down the stretch. So it wasn't even that they played bad. Um, I think Ohio State, um, this, yeah, as you said, this will be a get right game. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how much they win by. If they win, if they go out and take care of business, they should win this game pretty handedly. But if they let right. them stay close, anything can happen. All it takes is one game. So we'll see what happens. Um, Indiana and Rutgers. Um, I felt, I feel like, um, I feel like Indiana has been really disappointing. Like I, I saw them early in the year when they played Texas and they looked pretty solid. Um, and then I saw their record and what they've been doing lately. And it's just really surprising to me. Um, but I just have to go with what, um, what they've been doing coming in because it, it, they're, it's not like they're going to make some miraculous uh, out of nowhere become elite. Like that's just, that just doesn't happen this late in the season. Um, they are who they are at this point. So I'm, I'm going to pick Rutgers also. Um, and then the last game, uh, Wisconsin and Penn State. Um, I, I feel compelled to pick at least one upset because that's how these tournaments seem to go. There's always at least one upset. So I'm going to I'm going to pick Penn State. I'm going to go out on a limb and pick Penn State um, that. That may regret that because Wisconsin, they're all, like, as you said, they're. They're so really, really good defensively, um, but uh, it's hard to win um, in this format uh, when you struggle to score because all it takes is a team getting hot and then you're done because you, you can't keep up. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm going to pick the upset there. Okay, so the next round, um, I Michigan – defeating uh, Michigan State. Uh, Michigan has lost two of their last three down the stretch, got dominated by Illinois, and didn't look right um, in that last game, I believe it was yesterday, against um, against Michigan State. But they'll play again here, and I don't think Michigan State can go back-to-back. But I don't think losing this game um, um, does much for Michigan State. I think they'll still be in the field but I don't think they can beat uh, Michigan twice in a row, but who knows? It's Tom Izzo. You can't count it out, but I have Michigan winning close. Um, Ohio state Purdue. I just haven't seen much of Purdue. Um, they're a good team. I saw a little bit of their game um, a couple of days ago. Um, they're very big. They, they've got some size. Um, if they can dominate inside against a little bit of a smaller Ohio state team, uh, with EJ Liddell playing in that four or five spot for Ohio State. Um, Purdue has some seven-footers that if they can get the ball inside and get on the boards, they could win. Uh, but I think Ohio State, this is a get-right tournament for them. And I, I, I see them winning this game and advancing to go play Michigan in the semis. Um, on the bottom of the bracket, um, Rutgers and Illinois, I think some would make the argument um, that as of right now, <laughs> outside of Gonzaga, Illinois is the best team in the country, or at least they're playing that way. Um, I would assume who's been fantastic. And Kofi Coburn, that seven foot two, 285 pound center, um, has just been dominating. Um, so he's hard to he's hard to guard inside. 
and they had good guard play and a good wing in Iowa which is pretty rare in college basketball to have a lead in that game pretty handedly um, against Rutgers. Although I think Rutgers will still be in the in the field. I think they have a good enough resume for that. And then Wisconsin and Iowa, even with Iowa's, in, Iowa's injuries, I believe they have an injury to Joe um, Wieskamp and maybe country and Luca Garza, um, first team All-American this year, probably will end up being the player of the year. Um, and Wisconsin just flat out can't score. So I'm picking Iowa um, to win that game. So I, in my semifinals, I have Michigan against Ohio State and Illinois against Iowa. But I'll let you go ahead with the quarterfinals. Right, okay. Um, I, I agreed with you um, on Michigan and Michigan State. I think Michigan, um, I think they're a top, I think they're a top four team in the country for a reason. They're going to be a one seed um, and their, their team speaks for itself. I mean, uh, I'm not, I'm not too great with names right now in college basketball, but I know they have a big seven footer that they, they like to go to um, in terms of dominating inside um, that played a big part in them being yeah. Ohio state. Um, but also um, I was really impressed with just, how well, how efficient they are in running their offense. Like they, they get into their sets really quickly and they have a sense of urgency. That's something we talked about um, with Texas earlier in the year, actually like right at the beginning of the year. But um, that's something that's really important. That's really underrated. Like if you're moving without the ball and you're getting into your sets and playing with some pace, um, that makes you a lot more difficult to guard. So um I think Michigan will will take that game. Um, Purdue and Ohio State. Um, this was a this is a tough game. I, I think I'm gonna go with Purdue though. Um, based on how Ohio State finished the year, they seem to um, really struggle against the big teams that they had to face. Obviously, Illinois with uh, Cobalt. Is that what his name is? Cobalt. Coburn. Coburn, Coburn, Coburn. right. <laughs> Completely screwed that up. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. <laughs> Coburn, okay. Uh, right, with Coburn, um, he, he completely dominated them as well. Um, so I think uh, not having anybody over 6'8 is really going to come back to bite them. And I think, um, I think, I still think they have a chance to get to the Sweet 16 because um, the Big Ten is just that good to where um, the teams in the Big Ten might just have their number, but when they play teams outside the Big Ten, they might get some good matchups and make a little bit of a run. They're still a really good team, but um, I just think the size is a mismatch, a mismatch um, and that's why I'm going to pick Purdue. Uh, next game, uh, Illinois and Rutgers. Um, I'm going to pick Illinois. Um, Illinois, they've been they've been red hot lately. And uh, what you said earlier, obviously with Tasumu and, and Coburn, <laughs> I got it right this time. Um, right. They, they form a really like dynamic duo. Like they, 
and their guard play and just the, that whole roster is just really stacked. Um, I, I mean, there's not much more I can really say. I just think they're the better team straight up. Like there's no real uh, matchup that I think has to be like exploited or anything like that. I just think they're the better team. Um uh, Iowa and Penn State, I think that's a no-brainer. I think Iowa will run away with that. Um, I, I picked a, I picked the upset just for the sake of picking an upset, not because I actually feel confident in it. Um, that's just how college basketball seems to go. Upsets happen. Um, so I'm going to pick Iowa. Um, and I, I guess I'll, I'll uh, continue to the semifinals because mine is a little different than yours. Um, so Michigan and Purdue, um, I'm a lot like you. I actually don't know a lot like Purdue. Um, I haven't, I haven't seen them play much at all. I, I saw a little bit of their last game, but it wasn't really much at all. It was already basically over by the time I got to it. Um, I'm just I'm just gonna go with what I know, and I know Michigan is an elite team. Um, I know Purdue is solid, and I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue won this game. But um, I think we all want to see Michigan and Illinois play again, especially with the drama that went down with um, Illinois not being named the regular season champs when they they felt they should have been champs. Uh, did you hear about that? They actually. Uh, they hung up a uh, a flag that said uh, B uh, B one G champs like Big Ten, but like one G as like the G is like the zero. Um, so they they believe that they were the true champs, and they'll have the chance to prove that. I think Illinois will and Michigan will be in the in the final. I think that's the matchup we all want to see. I agree with you. Um, Michigan and Ohio State is an interesting matchup. And I think if Ohio State were to get to this point, um, they might have a chance. Um, I'm not sure how much Michigan, um, well, I'm sure they care, but sometimes in college basketball, it doesn't always work out how you think it's going to work out, especially when it comes to March. Um, sometimes Michigan, you know, might just say, okay, we've locked ourselves into a one seed. Um, we're not going to – we're going to maybe, I don't know, not play our good players. I don't know. I'm not saying it will happen, but you just got to keep an eye out for these sort of things. I'm sure they would – Jawan Howard wants to go out and, of course, win the Big Ten Championship in the second year as coach. That would be awesome. But you never know what can happen. Um, but I am going with Michigan. Um, the seven-footer you're talking about, he's a freshman. His name's Hunter Dickinson. Remember that name. Um, and they have – um, livers. I'm forgetting his first name, and they have um, uh, Mo Wagner's brother, Franz Wagner, who's also very versatile and good. A oh, very good front, or yeah, front court for Michigan. Um, one of the best in the mm. country, as far as I'm concerned. And okay. I think, um, I think, I think that instead of in the Purdue game, I think this is where Ohio State size will come back to Biden um, with Michigan and Hunter Dickinson. Okay, and then Illinois and Iowa, uh, I think it really all comes down to Iowa's health. 
in terms of how competitive this game is going to be. They have some injuries. I don't think they're long-term injuries. I think those players can be ready for the big dance, uh, which starts in about a week and a half. But right now, either way, I just can't see anyone beating Illinois. Um, they're so hot. Um, Kofi Coburn's a problem on the side. I mean, 7-2, 285, 290 pounds. That's that's a problem, and he dominates down there. And then Io Desumu is – he's legit. Um, and they're as hot as anyone outside of Gonzaga. So, I mean, I think the past couple of weeks, um, they've looked better than Baylor and Michigan. And, and any other team you want to put into this conversation. Um, I think they're going to get to the final at the very least. And spoiler alert, I have them winning. Um, they will be the 2021 Big Ten Tournament champions. And they will solidify themselves as um, a one seed. And of course, Michigan will be a one seed too. But um, I think Illinois will be, probably be the second or third overall seed in this year's tournament. They're just that good. So I have Illinois defeating Michigan in the Big Ten tournament final on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I um, uh, Like I said earlier, I think Illinois has something to prove. They were really pissed off that they didn't get the, um, the regular season title. Um, since they played more games, they felt like they should have, uh, they should have won it. But um, they'll have a chance to prove that they're going to have something to prove. They're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, and I think I think they'll win. Um, Coburn and Dickinson. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting it. It's going to be that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Uh, two seven footers, who, um, frankly, from what I've seen just like dominate every single game I, I watch. So uh, right. that'll be, that'll be fun. All right. Well, we both have Illinois. We had some different, we have minor disagreements on a couple of games, but you know, I picked Ohio state, you picked Purdue. Um, you said you picked Penn state, but only for the upset. Um, so we have a couple, but we agree um, on the major, on the major thing so right um let's uh let's head over to the big 12 let's head over to the big 12 um right. where let me see um just just warning y'all i might have some bias in filling out this bracket <laughs> it's not all logic here <laughs> i mean you've got you've got a texas shirt on so that comes with the territory it's all good um, I, I, I guess I can I can start out here um, with the uh, first slate of games, uh, TCU and Kansas State and Oklahoma versus Ohio State. Um, are our Big Twelve uh, uh, games are they are they played at a neutral site for these these um, tournament games? Yeah, all these tournament games are played at a neutral site. Um, the interesting thing to me um, is the Big Ten tournament is played in Indianapolis. In case you all don't know, that's where some of the um, where the actual tournament's going to be held this year. 
um, hmm. all in that area. So I want, I'm just wondering if that maybe uh, gives the Big Ten an upper hand here. But I don't know if they play at the same at the same um, sites that the actual tournament. I'm not sure if they gave them that per, but just something to think about. Um, and the big, the big 12 tournaments always played, um, in Kansas city. Um, so at a neutral, at a neutral court. Um, so, um, first round, there's not much to talk about, um, aside from the fact that at one point, Oklahoma was a top 10 team and they're the seventh seed in this big 12 tournament. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, they were, they were once ranked seventh in the country. And had beaten uh, four or five top top twenty five teams um, in a span of a, of two weeks, and they're <laughs> they got they got stuck in the uh, as a seventh seed in this tournament. That just shows how good the Big Twelve is. Um, it's a gauntlet, right? So, um, but we won't go too in depth on these first round games. Um, I have TCU uh, beating K State, and I have OU beating Iowa State. Um, that shouldn't be too much of a task for OU. Um, Iowa State has two wins on the season, so there you go. That's that's crazy because um, <laughs> Iowa State, like, typically they were a pretty solid program. So, oh yeah, crazy that they've won. No, they've won three. Remember the teams with um, Tyrese Halliburton and all those guys, right? Monte Morris, Yang, they. Yeah, they won. They've actually won three of the past uh, six or seven Big Twelve tournaments. It's crazy. But this year is not going to happen. I'm, I'm sorry, Ames, <laughs> Iowa, um, but it's not going to happen this year. Yeah, no. Um, so yeah. TCU, TCU, and OU. Uh, moving on to the, um, I guess the quarterfinals. Um, do you um, agree I, with that? I'm actually, I'm actually going to go with K State. Um, they beat Kansas earlier this year. Okay. Um, and also, I, I don't want to piss off my K-State uh, fans that I am friends with. So, <laughs> I don't think it will matter in the grand scheme of things because I think we'll have uh, similar things in this next uh, next part of the bracket. But we'll see. Um, I, but I do have Oklahoma moving on, though. So, uh, we, we agree there. Okay. So, uh, next um, round – Oh, you, you want to go ahead? No, you go first. I want to hear okay. your thoughts. First okay, on right. Because these, these four games might be the best games of the week. <laughs> right. So I, go ahead. I, yeah, I, I think so, too. I think um, just just looking up and down the bracket, like this is just top to bottom. Like this is going to be entertaining as hell. Like this is going to be crazy. Uh, uh, so Baylor versus K-State. Um <laughs> This is a no-brainer. Um, I'm going with Baylor. Um, we, I mean, uh, the way they played against Oklahoma State the other day, I mean, statement win. Like they're still here. They're still, um, they're still the same team that we saw start the season 18 and 0. Um, they just had to get their legs back from the whole COVID thing, and now that they're, they've had a few games uh, to get their legs under them. Um, they're they're a true contender, so they're moving on. Um, so next game, West Virginia versus Oklahoma State. This is the hardest game to pick because uh, part of me, I'm like, 
Cade Cunningham, he's a he's a box office player. He's going to be the number one pick most likely in the 2021 draft. But then you got West Virginia, who, I mean, their team is really, really good also. Um, and But you saw Oklahoma State uh, – who did they play the other day? They beat someone without Cade Cunningham, um, which was really interesting to me. That's that's a good sign. Um, so I think based on that, I think uh, the supporting guys have a little bit of momentum for Oklahoma State. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. Um, I think that might be, yeah, that's a that's an upset by but by one seed. I guess it doesn't really matter, but um, yeah, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State there. Uh, next game, uh, Kansas versus Oklahoma. Uh, I'm going to pick Kansas. Um, I, I don't really have any crazy analysis for this. I, I mean, these are, these are just coin flip games. These are all really good teams. So, um, I, I mean, if, if you went with Oklahoma, I probably wouldn't argue with you that hard, but Kansas has really come on late in this year. Um, and I like what, uh, what's his name? Bill Self, this head coach, I think. I like what Bill Self has done um, with uh, some of these young players, and they've really come around. Uh, so uh, Kansas, I mean, they, they look really good lately. So uh, next game, Texas versus Texas Tech. Um, I'm going to pick Texas. Um, I think Texas Tech um, – I mean, I'm not going to go and, and bash Texas Tech. They're still a really good team. But um, I, I, with the games that I watched them, they didn't seem that cohesive on offense. They, they seemed very um, guard-centric. Like, they didn't have any inside presence um, that could really, like, like, when you need a bucket, like, here you go, you can get a bucket. Like, Mac McClung seems to be that guy for them, but – I don't know how reliable that's going to be with all the perimeter defenders that Texas has. So um, I'm going to pick Texas there. Okay. Um, well, I'll start by saying Baylor will destroy TCU. No problem. Um, sorry, TCU or K-State. You're not being yeah. Baylor. Um, West Virginia and Oklahoma State. I actually agree with you. Um, Oklahoma State is one of the hottest teams in the country coming in, um, and they just beat West Virginia without Kate Cunningham. Oh, it was Saturday, West Virginia. Oh. Whatever day it was. I can't yeah. remember. It was. Um, now, I do think West Virginia is still a very, very, very good team. Bob Huggins, coach team, they got many good players. They're talking about Miles McBride, Cash Sherman, both great guards. And then Derek Culver on the inside. He was first team all Big 12. So when you have a player of that caliber, um, you I think West Virginia has elite eight, final four good capabilities. And, of course, a lot of these teams do, but they're going to be dangerous. But I just think Oklahoma State, um, they're going to get Cade Cunningham back, I think, in this game, which automatically adds an automatic 20 points to that output. Um and then they have that other guard who went off. I'm, I'm blanking on his name, Avery Anderson or something. He went off for like 28 points in that game. He's blossoming into a star. And then 
hopefully they'll also get Isaac Likely back, their shooting guard, who, who will help. I'm going Oklahoma State in another close one. But I wouldn't be surprised if West Virginia wins. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so either. that will set up Oklahoma State and Baylor. Interesting. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, Kansas. This is what I want to talk about. <laughs> um, remember like a month or two ago when we were saying, oh, this is an off year for the Blue Bloods. Um, yep. You know, Duke is struggling. Michigan State is struggling. Kansas is struggling. And here we go. We find ourselves um, looking at Kansas as the number two seed <laughs> in, in the in the in the Big Twelve tournament. I don't think it was so much as an off year as it was just the Big Twelve. Uh, yeah. It's just a it's just a gauntlet. I mean, Texas went Texas went through a bad stretch. Um, West Virginia's been through a bad stretch. Oklahoma State's. I mean, every team except for Baylor has been through a through a through a rough stretch of games this season. Right. Um so and Kansas, when you look at their team, they have a dominating force on the inside and in David McCormick. Um and their guard play has become more consistent over the past month or so and they've risen all the way up back into the top ten in defensive efficiency, which is an important metric um, come tournament games. Uh, they're eighth in defensive efficiency. Um, so they're playing really good defense. The only team to beat them in their past eight games is Texas. And Kansas had that game um, in their hands. It had to go to overtime for Texas to get a close victory. Um, but uh, yeah, I have them advancing further than past. Um, past at Iowa State because I don't like OU, um, to put it lightly. <laughs> and then Texas, this is where the bias, this is this is where the bias comes in. Um, Texas and Texas Tech, um, Texas Tech got the better of Texas both. Um, they got Matt, who's seemingly now the transfer for Georgetown, um, a Texas killer. He goes off every time, he, um, both times we played him this year. Um, but Texas, they're kind of doing what they did last year. Um, they're coming in hot um, into this Big 12 tournament. Last year, they won five straight heading into the Big 12 tournament. Um, and this year, they won four or five. The only loss was the West Virginia game. And in that game, they should have won. They had a 20-point lead. So they're playing very well. They have three road wins um, in their past three games, one of which was against Kansas. Um, and Texas Tech, as you said, um, they're kind of inconsistent offensively. Now, you can never count out a crispier coach team, especially when it comes to big dance. But I think Texas will not allow Texas Tech to beat them a third time. That's very hard to do. Um, so I think we agree. I have Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Kansas and Texas. Right. So. Uh, we had all the same teams moving on there. So – um, Baylor and Oklahoma State. <sighs> Dang. Okay. Um, it's hard for me to pick against Baylor. I mean, I mean, you look at what they've done all year. They've just been so consistent. Um, and their switchability defensively, their versatility up and down their roster. Um, 
I mean, it's, it's hard to argue against, you know, it's, um, say what you want about Kate Cunningham, but, um, Baylor has been like the entire year. They've just, uh, I mean, we talked about how good the big 12 has been and they, they lost one game the whole year. Like that's incredible. So, uh, I'm, I got to pick Baylor. Like there's no, <laughs> I got, I mean, as good as Oklahoma state has been playing lately. Uh, and I, I think it can be a close game, but I just think, um, Baylor has the firepower and defensive prowess to pull away late. Uh, we can go game by game here since these are a little bit more dense. Baylor moves on in the game. Uh, okay, no questions asked well. unless, um, unless they say we're locked in. It's one of those situations where they say. Unless it's one of those situations where they say um, we uh, we're going to rest some of our guys, but I don't, I don't see that happening. I think they're determined to go and get their first ever conference championship. Um conference tournament championship that is so Baylor moves on and then I'm sorry to interrupt you but um I have oh this is tough for me because I have a bias here um I def there's there's a place in my mind where I don't see Texas beating Kansas a third time um I can definitely see both perspectives but because I'm a student at UT Austin, I'm not going to pick Kansas. Um, I think Texas will get to the final. Um, I don't think they're beating Baylor, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but I do think, think they can get to the final and maybe rise up to as high as a two seed. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. Like, if they get to the and final. As I said in the past. Yeah, if they get to the final, I think – they can definitely get to a two seed. And especially if they put up a good showing against Baylor, that would be pretty good for the, for Texas to get to a two seed. Seems like there's a lot of delay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. Um, Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. It, it's just like it's like really delayed right now. So, um, yeah. So for me, I think I'm gonna pick. Um, shoot, I, it's so hard to beat a team three times in a row, dude. Pick who you want. It, I mean, I'm gonna pick Kansas. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, and Texas just has their number, but it's so hard to beat a team three times in a row, um, especially when it was at like as recent as this one was. Like, I think it was like only like a week and a half ago when this happened, uh, when they last I, played. Uh, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, that's the fact. I mean, even like in other sports, it's hard to beat a time two two, three times in a row. And with a, with a guy like, um, with a coach like Bill Self, a Hall of Fame caliber coach, you know he's going to be, he's going to go back and watch that film and he's going to make the necessary adjustments. 
I can foresee a scenario where Kansas uh, beats Texas for sure. But for obvious reasons, I'm not picking Kansas. Um, So, um, but it isn't, it is pretty amazing that (laughs) they're, uh, they're, they're sitting as a two seed um, with 19 wins in the regular season um, after in a span of, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. In a span of 10 games this year, they lost seven um, from the beginning of January to February. In that month, they lost seven out of 10. But in the last month, they won, um, I believe, eight of nine. So they're coming in hot, but Texas is as well. Um, so... But yeah, that's I, not, that's not I definitely there. think I definitely think Texas can give them trouble um, on the inside. That's that's Texas's main strength, um, being able to protect the basket and the paint. Um, but um, for me, picking Kansas, I think it has a lot to do. I think um, Kansas can get hot from the outside, and I worry about Texas um, having scoring droughts. They have these um, they have these stretches where they they're really potent offensively and then they go through stretches where they can't score at all. And that's what happened against West Virginia when they blew that lead, that 20 point lead um, in that home game against West Virginia. Um, And that, that seems to be a thing that ails them. So unless they can address that, um, I got to pick Kansas. Right. I mean, it's it's a coin flip. Right. It's, it's definitely a coin, a coin flip. flip. Yeah. Um, you put these teams up, you put these teams up against each other 10 times. They probably each win five. Um, it's that close of a matchup. Maybe Kansas wins six, Texas wins four, Texas wins six, Kansas wins four, but it's that close. Right. Um, so Baylor and Texas, um, interesting fact that I just actually learned today. Um, no Texas team has actually won the Big 12 tournament. Um, you've oh, had wow. Kansas win it a bunch of times. And hmm. You've had, you've had, yeah, no tech, not Texas Tech, not TCU, not um, Baylor. None, none of these Texas teams have actually won the Big 12 tournament. Um, now you might say go back to like 1970s, but at that time, it was the Southwestern Conference. It wasn't the Big 12. Um, so if you're just talking about the Big 12 tournament, um, no Texas team has won it. It's been Kansas, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, who majorly dominated. And then you have maybe a West Virginia or two mixed in here and there. But no Texas team. So this matchup would guarantee that a Texas team would win the Big 12 tournament for the first time ever, and that team will be Baylor. As long as they, like, try in this tournament, um, they should win every game. If they're committed to going out and getting this this championship, there's no reason that they shouldn't win um, every game unless they sustain an injury. Um, But hopefully that doesn't happen because we want every team to be healthy or as healthy as possible um, going into the – um, actual big dance. 
I had Baylor over Texas in the final. It could be Baylor over Kansas, or who knows? Um, Kansas over Baylor. Who knows? But there you go. Um, I've got Baylor in the final as well. Um, it seems like it seems like it's meant to be this year. Um, they're extremely just – they're a stacked team, just to put it simply. Um, but it, it's not going to be like a cakewalk for, by any stretch. It's definitely going to be a close game. It always is. No. It always seems to be. Um, but I trust Baylor to close close games. They've been doing it all year. So, uh, yeah, I feel pretty confident in that. Yeah, so with that, um, that is going to do it. I'm actually going to post my predictions for all, like, the winners, who I think is going to win each conference, major conference tournament on Twitter. So be on the lookout for that. I know we didn't get to the ACC and the SEC and the Pac-12 and the, and the Big East, but that would take way too long. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, that we, would uh, take way too long, yeah. Um, tournaments. So... I will be posting my thoughts on these games on Twitter um, when they're going on, hopefully. And if we're not back later this week, um, we'll be back early next week. And one hint here, or one thing, I will be on vacation. It is my spring break. Um, so I'm going to Florida. Uh, it's a, I, I can explain it to you more off camera. But I'm going on vacation for about a week, so I'll be there for Selection Sunday, and hopefully I can go live with you um, so we can do our bracket, the bracket show that we've been waiting to do for the past couple of years that we haven't been able to right. for different reasons. So um, I'm so excited for this. The next four or five weeks are just going to be totally insane. I mean, you think about conference tournaments, then you have the big dance, you have NBA with the second half of the season, you have you have the Players' Championship. You have the match play here in Austin. You have the Masters. You have draft talk. You have quarterback news, free agency. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. So yeah, we won't MLB, be short on draft all of it. content. Yeah, we, all of it. There's so, so much. Yeah, I forgot opening. So even though football season's over, um, the grind doesn't stop here on the Raw Prospect Podcast. Right. So We're always going in time. raw. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> We're going to end it there, that guys. Be, uh, thank you for that watching. That should be our tagline. That's our new tagline. Going no, bro. We, we keep it PG. <laughs> this is a family-friendly podcast, bro. This is family-friendly. Um, and, and kids, don't ask what that means. It's not important. Right. <laughs> um <laughs> This is a family-friendly podcast. We're not doing that. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, thank, thank you guys for listening. Um, today, the Wi-Fi seemed to be not cooperative, but we made it. We made it through. We got what we needed to done, and uh, we hope you enjoyed, as always. Um, subscribe, like, share, you know, um, and thank you for watching. Peace. Thank you.